Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, it's author Karen Kingsbury who spoke with me recently about her approach to the theme of human trafficking in a new work of fiction. Then it's Carol McLeod in an interview conducted just before Mother's Day 2021, offering some insight in her latest work about the call upon a mother's life and what God has placed in her heart. And on this edition of The Intersection, former college president Everett Piper, who in his latest book takes aim at cancel culture and encourages people to take their eyes off themselves and put them on the person and principles of God. Finally, it's Bernard James Mauser of Southern Evangelical Seminary. He has observed what he calls a political media complex, which can lead people astray by furthering narratives that are detrimental. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Well-known Christian author Karen Kingsbury has released a new book entitled A Distant Shore, and in the midst of a love story, there is an element of human trafficking and what is associated with it. And of course, she centers the story on biblical principles. From a recent conversation, this is Karen Kingsbury now. This involves a a 10-year-old little girl in the beginning. She's she's 10 years old. Her name is Eliza Lawrence. And she is um, out swimming in the ocean off the shores of Belize. And she begins to be sucked into a riptide and she's drowning. At the same time, Jack Ryder is visiting Belize with his family. He's 16 and he sees her struggling and he swims out to save her. His brother joins him and tries to save her too, but he ends up getting pulled under as well, and he ends up drowning. Mm. Jack rescues Eliza, and then flash forward 10 years, Jack has really lost everything that's mattered to him. He's 26, he's an undercover agent working for the FBI, and he is sent back to Belize on mission to be an undercover agent um, to go and dismantle a human trafficking ring. And he ends up being in the position to rescue Eliza Lawrence, not once, but twice on a distant shore. Mm, Amazing. So let's stop here. And I want to give a little bit of context for you. People know Karen Kingsbury, the novelist. They may not know that when you lived in L.A., you were a true crime reporter and you're kind of pulling, you're kind of going into the well of that experience here for this book Share with us just a bit about the nature of your work back in those days. Yeah, so back then, I mean, I would be uh, assigned a story on a Monday morning, and it would be usually the biggest kind of story that was, I was a general assignment reporter working with a true crime or whatever, the biggest story happening in L.A., and then I would, I was, it's my job to get the emotional angle, no surprise, that they, they would say if it needed tears, put Karen Kingsbury on it. And I would go out and gather information, court documents, interviews in prisons, and just it had to be right. It had to be true. That was kind of journalism back then. And um, and then, you know, I would gather all my information and write a big story, and that would appear on the Sunday paper. So, you know, it was a book like A Distant Shore, being that it was dealing with the FBI, dealing with a covert operation and a rescue that involved the military and local police. I had to be accurate. I mm-hmm. had to have the facts. So. You know, yeah, I wrote the whole thing um, based on the research I was doing, and then God like gave me this great gift where I got to give the book to this. I can't even give you his name, but he's an he's an agent that was at, at one point the head of human trafficking for the FBI. He's also a Christian, 
And he read the book and gave me five pages of notes so that it is so accurate. That's, wow. And that's a blessing. You can't tell a beautiful story without it being accurate. Let's talk about some of the spiritual implications. As I understand it, here in this book, you begin every chapter with Scripture. There is certainly, as in all of your books, there is a, a spiritual element. Tell us about how that is woven into this book. Yeah, well, you know, it's really important to me that we see story as allegory. When Jesus wanted to touch your heart, he told a story. And this is no different in the sense that it's a story about rescue. And no matter how dark or desperate your place or your situation, he is there and he wants to rescue. And that's what we see here. So literally, I mean, I felt like it, I didn't intend to have a scripture at the top of each chapter, but God gave me these verses that were some of them obscure, some verses you may not even be familiar with, but they fit perfectly to the chapters. And they remind us that, you know, there's still something happening here. God is not finished with your story just because it may be the darkest chapter you've ever been a part of. And that's really the truth with, with Jack and with Eliza as, as this plays out that, you know, God is not the reason for the terrible things mm. that happen in life, but he is the rescue. And he holds out his arm, his loving arm, you know, as his nail scarred hand, Jesus does to rescue us. And these two really don't have that faith. I mean, they really are not in that place at the beginning of the story. And, as they walk it out, there's just some things that happen that are miraculous and um, change their their narrative. And it's not like I just I just was funny. I just was jumping online to to look and see what people are saying about a distant shore. And one person said, "Okay, I just spent seven hours straight reading this book. <laughs> Couldn't put it down. This is the best book Karen Kingsbury has ever written." So wow. I feel that way about a distant shore. I feel like God really gave this to me as a gift. Karen Kingsbury here on The Intersection. Learn more by going to the website karenkingsbury.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's the author of the book Rooms of a Mother's Heart, A Sacred Call and an Eternal Purpose, Carol McLeod of Carol McLeod Ministries. She shared from her own experience as a mother and a grandmother about the value of being a mother and the capacity given by God to function in that important role. Here now from that conversation is Carol McLeod. Yeah, you know, Bob, I was in a bookstore the other day and there was a sign um, on a Mother's Day that display that said, Mom, you are enough. You are more than enough. And I thought, mm, that's conditionally true because, Bob, <laughs> honestly, we are not enough. We are not enough in our own strengths and weaknesses and limitations and abilities, but we are enough when we partner with God in raising the children. You know, I tell women all the time, look, motherhood is not the highest calling for a woman. Being like Jesus is the highest calling for a woman. And if you are a mom, motherhood will show you all the ways that you are not like Jesus and need to be like him. If you're not a mom, if you're going through infertility or, or single living, that will show you all the ways that you're not like Jesus, but that you need to be like Jesus. So I do believe that motherhood is a sacred call. Other than being like Jesus, I do believe it's the highest calling for a woman this side of heaven, that we get to partner with God mm. in raising the next generation of world-changing believers for the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, that's just exciting. That's exciting to me. 
Well, what do you see as some ways in which, and, and we'll talk specifically to two moms here, because, hey, we're approaching Mother's Day. That's what yeah. this book is about. The fathers have a significant role as well. But with respect to the moms, how do you see that they can really be instrumental in being used by God to point children to the Savior and his teachings and his principles and really coming to know him? Well, first of all, mom, you, you must be intentional because if you're not, the weeks will fly by, the years will fly by, and you will not have done it. So what my husband and I did, Bob, is we would bring a newborn baby home from the hospital. I would go in and sit in the family room and the grandparents would gather around any aunts or uncles or older siblings that were there. And my husband would go get the Bible and we would take our newborn baby's hand and lay it on the Bible. And we'd say, this is the Bible. It's God's word. In our family, we love the Bible. We honor the Bible. And then different people would share scriptures. Um, I think it's so important to have age appropriate devotions as your children grow up and short, don't make them long. <laughs> you don't need to be full of John Wesley and preach for three hours. Oh no, five minutes is, is long enough for a family devotion. Um, and it's just some of the fun things that we did when we talked about the obedience of Noah, how he heard God's voice and he obeyed. We told our kids, go get all your stuffed animals. Let's pile them all on the couch. And we put all the stuffed animals on the couch and all of us on the couch with them. And we talked about the smell of the ark and how did Mrs. Noah deal with it all? But we talked about obedience to God, how they obeyed God. The feeding of the 5,000 was another uh, fun family devotions we had, Bob. Um, I would send the kids to their rooms and I hid, you know, those little goldfish crackers and then Ritz crackers all over the house. And the kids would come back and we talk about how Jesus did miracles and how he's our provider. And we ask him and, and then we'd say, okay, go find all the fish and the loaves that are hidden. And they just have a feast eating it all. So time appropriate, not too long, age appropriate, and have some fun while you do it. Carol McLeod here on The Intersection. Her website is carolmcleodministries.com. This is The Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the Intersection Podcast. You'll find a link to the podcast and the iTunes feed. You'll also find links to the Intersection Podcast and the iTunes feed. You can also find links to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Moving along now on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, columnist for the Washington Times, and host of the Rebellion Podcast, Everett Piper. 
In our recent conversation, he discussed cultural trends and biblical truth addressed in the book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. Here now from that conversation is Everett Piper. It could be argued that there are three entities that are responsible in any civilization, three entities that are responsible for inculcating the ideas and the values in their progeny and the generations that follow them. And those three entities would be the teacher, the preacher, and the parent. So basically in our culture right now, I think all three have let down their guard. Teachers stop teaching truth. They're now propping up opinions. They're telling their students that their feelings are more important than the facts. This is not adulthood. This is enabling perpetual adolescence. So teachers aren't teaching the truth. Preachers, they've imbibed the Kool-Aid. Now they're talking about affirmational churches rather than confessional churches. They're affirming sin rather than confronting it. I don't want to go to a church that makes me feel comfortable about my sin. I'd rather have the preacher preach the gospel and call upon repentance and confession. So you've got teachers and preachers that have dropped the ball. Well, how's the helicopter parenting working? Hmm. The parents want to be like more than they want to be dad and mom. They want to be their kid's best friend rather than being an authority figure that is taking responsibility for confronting their kids with uncomfortable discipline at times and encouraging them to grow up and act like adults. There are people in the media, there are people in politics, in the political realm, that are intent on somehow believing that revising these time-honored traditions that find their roots in the Word of God is somehow contributing to a more enlightened, functioning society And that's certainly not the truth. How do we end up in this mess? I think it goes back to the classroom. I'm going to pick on my own industry. Why not? The academy, the ivory tower. You know, it's been said that what is taught today in the classroom will be practiced tomorrow in our culture. And it's so true. Abraham Lincoln has said essentially the same thing. And even despots like Hitler recognized this. Hitler said, let me control the textbooks and I will control the state. So what what you have here is what your grandma told you, garbage in, garbage out. And when you're you're teaching terrible ideas, garbage, decade after decade in our schools, we shouldn't be surprised to find terrible behavior and terrible values in our culture where the chickens are coming home to roost. So if that's the problem, if we've been consuming ideological carcinogens, let's say, and that has given us a cancer of heart, mind, and soul as a culture, then maybe the solution is to go back to the place where you got the bad food in the Mm. first place and replace it with something that's healthy and good. Start teaching goodness, and it might be goodness in and goodness out rather than garbage in and garbage out. The solution is for the schools to return to the time-tested truths that have been given to us by God rather than this postmodern nonsense that we made up five minutes ago. I think it was Cicero that said, he who is ignorant of everything before he was born will be always a child. And C.S. Lewis challenged our chronological snobbery where he said, just because you've got a new idea doesn't make it a better idea. In (laughs) fact, the old ideas are there because they've been tested. You might want to humble yourself before the lessons of history rather than engage in this arrogant childish infatuation with your new ideas and everything that's vogue and popular. How does one get to a point where where he or she can perhaps get a <laughs> a tougher skin, if you will? 
I think it's through the point of crisis. We're told in Scripture that the Lord disciplines those he loves. Well, I, I interpret that as good parenting. Um, if a father creates a crisis for his son in order to cause his son to grow, um, I'm going to create a crisis for my son if he puts his hand toward a burning stove. The crisis is going to be felt in the seat of his pants before he feels it on the palm of his hand. That crisis is good. Without that crisis, he's not going to change his behavior, and he's going to continue to do things that could hurt him. God treats us the same way. He treated the nation of Israel the same way. Again, the Lord disciplines those he loves. Well, we have the opportunity in our culture right now to never let the good crisis go to waste. We can take hmm. advantage of the crisis to, uh, to do the opposite of what culture wants to do. Culture wants to enable. Culture wants to uh, affirm. Culture wants to tolerate, whereas Christian love does the exact opposite. Everett Piper here on The Intersection. You can find him online at drevereddpiper.com. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Bernard James Mauser, professor of philosophy at Southern Evangelical Seminary in Charlotte. In our recent conversation, he provided a response to a recent survey on people's perceived meaning in life and commented on the way that the politico-media complex, as he calls it, has furthered a narrative that has brought discouragement. Here now from that recent conversation is Bernard James Mauser. Well, the political media complex is simply the network of relationships between the government and media. And during this pandemic, they're helping each other. And this isn't to say, so I know a a lot of people um, in mainstream media, especially from conservative sides, and, and I remember a time when I was a young man, I would get really heated listening and villainizing those who disagreed with my view. So what, what I'm not suggesting is that people on, in this political media complex are all evil. Some of them may, may be virtuous, they may love the Lord, but there, there's a narrative that all, all of them as human beings are self-interested. And so as self-interested individuals in government and in media, they want to do things to ex- Expand their own influence and their own power, and the the COVID nineteen narrative is really helping their relationship as they mutually strengthen each other. Well, contrast, if you would please, what you see as the difference between the narrative concerning COVID that the Politico media complex has actually been relating, the the narrative, a word you used to describe it, excellent term there, that is being perpetrated by this so-called Politico media complex. Contrast that with the Christian worldview perspective or how you think that Christians can be or even should be thinking with respect to this COVID-19 situation? Here's one of the great things I think that has emerged in the last year is there's been uh, on on both sides of the aisle, um, people have been disenchanted with many aspects of the media. Now, we still have people that we love in our in our circles in our lives that if the mainstream media says it they believe it and so when the politicians are trying to overreach 
and trying to expand their influence and their powers that we give them under vague terms like general welfare or safety, if those aren't really specifically constrained and described, okay, how far are, are we willing to allow you to pry into our lives? Um, that's going to allow them to increase their power. With one of the uh, the great things within the Christian worldview that is that we believe that everybody is created in God's image. And so every human being has the ability to discern truths about reality and make choices based on what they see is good and, and that will help them flourish. You know best what your talents are. And you you probably know significantly better than your neighbor does what your own talents are and the best way to pursue your talents because you're creating God's image. And so we don't have to rely on a, a public expert. So by all accounts, uh, Dr. Fauci is a genius. And so if he goes to a Yankees game and he's in there, he may be in this one particular area, the smartest guy in that one particular area in the whole stadium. But if you take any two adults, and basically contrast Fauci's knowledge about reality with any two other adults. Their knowledge of, about all aspects of reality far outweigh what his knowledge about reality is because they are creating God's image and they've lived with a lifetime of experiences and things about reality that they've been able to take in and assess and evaluate. So one of the great things that's emerged out of this is we've distrusted some of the major media outlets in greater ways through this, because we're seeing it as propaganda. We're seeing through the the illusion. Now, not everybody is, so that's what was disheartening in some ways. We have to do things to like place little pebbles of doubt in uh, other people's shoes that are in our circles. They may love Jesus, but they've bought into the narrative about being so unsafe that they're willing to sacrifice all these freedoms that we have. Bernard James Mauser here on The Intersection. You can find him through ses.edu. Well, we are about to wrap up this edition of The Intersection podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. Again, you can go to meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection. Plus, there's a link to The Intersection podcast. You can find it in the Media Center. It's also available through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.